Welcome everyone to the Holstein House podcast. I'm the West Virginia woman, Robin of RobinHolstein.com and Holstein House, where my guests get a great night's sleep at a fair rate plus breakfast. This is a podcast that looks at society and culture issues affecting families in West Virginia and the United States, from food preparation and storage, gardening, home repairs, current events, and more. We'll go around the table and back in 60 minutes or less. So let's hang out and talk a while. Good morning. <laughs> it's Tuesday. It's Tuesday. And this, as you can see, is a, I think I point this way. This is a pre-recorded uh, Tuesday. Um, and hopefully this will be the last pre-recorded one for a little while. Uh, today I want to kind of talk to you a little bit about uh, just some general things that are going on. And, um, but there's two, two topics I kind of, I'd like your opinions on, and I'll share that with you. One is, uh, is it legal? It's an article that was, um, um, posted recently locally. Is it legal to, uh, to harvest rainwater in West Virginia? Uh, and I just kind of want to talk about whether it's legal to harvest rainwater where you are, whether it's in West Virginia or Puerto Rico or South America or wherever you happen to be this morning or at the time that you see this, because you can always post your comments later. For those of you who have been following me for a little while, you know that um, I've had a thing going on at our church on Tuesday mornings, and today's the last Tuesday for that. This is um, Tuesday, July the 18th. So if you see this later, that's, you know, that's what that is. Um, and so it'll finish up today, and uh, hopefully we'll be back on track for our live um, episodes again really quickly and it won't be as big a deal and I hope to get some other guests on it's just been so hard there's been a lot going on but uh, oh the other topic that I wanted to kind of chat about today is um, is is called um, um, it, well it's an article about um, people who are commenting on your social media posts and the um, the headline on the page uh, that we'll talk about is oh that happened to me too and I heard a commentator on um, a, a national television show uh, mention this story. And I thought, I see that all the time. And it happens in my, in my posts uh, in places too. And it's kind of like somebody hijacking your post. So we'll talk about that for a little bit. But uh, first, I just want to thank you for joining and uh, invite you to um to share if you find any information here that is useful to you. Every now and again, we do say something that's uh, relevant to things that are going on. And if you would like to uh, uh, join in the conversation over on Telegram, it's t.me slash Holstein House, H-O-L-S-T-E-I-N-H-O-U-S-E, t.me slash Holstein House. So we have conversations over there. Um, you know that uh, that my dad has not been well, and um, he is better. He's better, but he's having a lot of issues with his arthritis. So it's getting more difficult for him to move around, and it's getting more difficult for me to convince him to move around. And the less he moves, the more it hurts when he does move. And I think most of us have seen those cycles before ourselves. You get in the habit of not moving around much, and then when you do, it makes all your muscles and tendons and things really sore. Well, his arthritis is in his lower back, not uncommon with a lot of us, and in his hip. 
and so it makes it uh, hard for him to um, to get moving. It's osteoarthritis, and um, the doctor, his general practitioner, has prescribed him a couple different medications that don't help him much, and he doesn't like the um, the high-powered opioid types because they make him lightheaded and dizzy and and affect his his bowels. And uh, he just doesn't like the idea of using an opioid. I'd like to get him to a specialist, but I don't think he's going to want to add another doctor to his list. He's got quite a few now. So um, the inhaler seems to have been helping, although he had some trouble with that initially. He did tell me yesterday that he was feeling better. Talked to him quite a while. I was on the uh, hands-free while I was doing some uh, bank deposits for the church and uh, our deposits and dad's deposits yesterday. So it takes me about an hour and a half or so to make that big round trip. So after after part of it, I, I called him up and asked him how he was feeling. And we had a long chat just about stuff in general. But um, yeah, he's having a hard time getting around. I suggested to him to get it. He does have a walker. Uh, um, I think some countries call it a Zimmer frame, but it's, you know, it's the aluminum device that so many older folks or people who've had surgeries and stuff used to to get around with initially and I said get that out get that out so you can lean on it while you're trying to move around so that you can help um, loosen yourself up and he said he had a little bit <laughs> I don't know whether he did or not he'll fib to me every now and again just to shut me up uh, I the um, I, I don't think, it, no, I wouldn't have talked to you guys about it yet. Uh, on Saturday, I got a call from my, my friend Diane, her daughter, um, that Diane has uh, has gotten worse and she was in the hospital and the nurse uh, started talking, you know, um, she's not going to make it and um, probably won't pull out and she just really had a bad time. Now, Diane is the woman who I had uh, asked for uh, help with early on uh, with the podcast and broadcast uh, because she needs a liver transplant. And uh, I had gone through um, the steps, the process to, to see if I was a donor. I was the right blood type and, and I was under the maximum age, but only by a couple of years. And I was told I didn't qualify for a couple of different reasons. And one of them was I was too close to the age and one of them was some of the medications I take. And what they do, if you if you're not aware, is the donor the the liver will grow back. So a live liver donor um, will have about two thirds of the liver removed and placed in the recipient, um, and then you go through a healing process and your liver grows back. It's a big major surgery. You know, it's not as uh, it's not like a tonsillectomy or you know something like that. It's a big big hairy deal to have that done. Well. When uh, when Brienne called me Saturday and told me that Diane was in the hospital, not doing well, she was hallucinating and she was uh, um, um, agitated and um, not cooperating. Um, they didn't think she would make it, and so could I come, you know, and visit with her? And I didn't get there till Sunday. I went Sunday after church, and um, she's down. She was my height right about my she may have been a little bit taller but i'm five foot six and she um she's down to 95 pounds and she just does not look good she doesn't look good at all and uh, her arms are very black and and purple bruised from 
uh, blown veins and stuff as they try to give her medicines and she's just in really bad shape. They were trying to put a, a pick unit in and they couldn't do that because the uh, whatever vein they were trying to get to was just too small. And uh, so they thought they might have to do a main line, but I, I don't know. While I was there, they didn't do any of that. They, well, they had tried the, the pick, but it didn't work. But um, they weren't trying that. She was uh, alert and she was talking um, a little bit. But there were so many people there, I didn't get really to talk to her. And I got kind of frustrated. Um, you could have two people in at a time, which is not unusual. And so um, her aunts and her cousin went in and visited with her for a few minutes and come back out. Um, I went in with her daughter and um, every time I tried to ask her, ask Diana a question, her daughter was interrupting and answering for her. And I said, come on, let, let her, let her answer. Cause I could tell she won't, you know, Diane was wanting to talk. And uh, so uh, after a couple minutes, uh, her daughter left the room and went back out in the waiting area and um, I thought well here I've got a few minutes to talk to her and I was trying to talk to her about um, how she was feeling and and what she thought and things and um, she started like she was going to cry and I said it's okay to cry because it is we shouldn't feel like we can't and she has to know how bad she is she was she's not a stupid woman and about the time she started um crying, trying to tell me what all other hospitals she's going to go to, um, which she probably isn't going to go to. Her husband come in and interrupted and said, oh, oh, don't cry, don't cry, it's okay, it's okay. And I just was so frustrated because you couldn't, I couldn't talk to her. That uh, I told her, I said, honey, I'm going to go. And I had given her a sheet that has my, uh, my phone number on it. And um, told her, I said, if you can't dial the phone, have someone call me. If you, if you want to talk to me anytime, just call. And I told her that she's on her church prayer list for, you know, all the whole time from the time she told me she needed a deliver donation um, to, to, to last Sunday. And uh, she started to water up a little bit about that. And um, I went ahead and laughed because, I mean, it just her. Well, her daughter-in-law came into, well, not her daughter-in-law, they're not married, but her son's girlfriend come in and just run her mouth, kept talking. And it was like, we, I just want to look at her and say, shut up, shut up and let this woman speak. I mean, she, it was, I didn't say these things. Understand that I didn't say them, but I was really frustrated because they won't let her talk. I mean, even if she doesn't make any sense, they're interrupting and they're talking at her and, um, I, I wanted to talk to her a little bit about, you know, just things in general. I mean, we've known each other, God, 30 years, 30 years or so. And uh, they just kept interrupting. I wanted to hear what she thought. I wanted to hear what was on her mind. And uh, couldn't do it. Couldn't do it because people would just come in and run off the mouth and you couldn't say a word. But anyway... So I went ahead and left. I'm going to try to get up there today for a little while. If she's up to it, I'll have to. We have a thing at the church this morning. Uh, the um, um, nutrition program wraps up this morning, and uh, it's at 10. I'm going to go for about an hour, and then I'm going to try to get a hold of her daughter and see if um, if she's doing okay enough for me to go visit. They were talking about uh, palliative care. They were talking about, um, um, oh, what did she call it? Uh 
I can't remember all of this stuff. I'm old. Skilled nursing. I mean, they do that all the time now. Skilled nursing. But um, to help her get up and walk. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh. You know, to quit torturing that poor woman. <laughs> but maybe that's, maybe she wants it herself. I don't know. You know, everybody has their own thing. And that kind of brings me to the, um, the article. Me, oh, I forgot. I don't think I got it shared. Let me share this screen. Let me see if I can make it the, there we go. I want you to look at this just real quick. And you'll see this headline. Oh, that happened to me too. Sharing your experiences in conversation is common, but sometimes it's best to just listen. And that's what I wanted to do with Diane on, uh, on Sunday was just listen. Now, this article is talking about when you, when you post something like, let's say I posted, uh, which I have, um, that I have posted, uh, my friend Diane is, um, is really bad off and I'm really upset. And then someone comes behind and posts, oh, me too, my girlfriend. I remember my girlfriend, this, that, and the other. Uh, what you see in this article, I'll put the link in the descriptions um, here in a little while to this article. It's, um, this little quote says, oh my gosh, me too. That reminds me of when that happened to me. And it says it's called a self-disclosure. It's a habit of disclosing something about yourself to another person, offer in an effort to forge a connection. Now, what it actually does, it's a, it, it's a very narcissistic um, action. It's not, it's not necessarily, and I'm talking about, I'm not talking about when people post, um, I'm praying for you or I'll send up prayers or whatever like that. So what the, the crucial part of this article is, so why does it rub some people the wrong way? Not all self-disclosure is helpful. And likewise, I don't think anyone is arguing that a person should just sit there mute while one friend does all the sharing. The goal is to have a sense of balance. Effective, effective self-disclosure is reciprocal. Jumping in too quickly with, oh yes, that happened to me, can end up saturating conversation and make your friend feel they were never heard in the first place. This is the key for me. I don't know if I can highlight this. So, oops, let me do it this way. It can make your friend feel they were never heard in the first place. That's my big deal. Is when, and, and I'll include myself because I'm not perfect, um, is when we jump in and and take the focus off the other person's um, emotions. And with the look at me, it happened to me too. I'm over here. Me too. It happened to me too. There's a lot of people who do that. A lot of people who do that. And they probably, a lot of them, I suspect, don't realize they're doing it. This is a vast body of psychology research tells us that fundamentally humans want to feel heard. And that's kind of what I was trying to do with Diane on Sunday was trying to listen to her. But this is relating, this article here is relating more to social media posts, but it doesn't have to be just social media posts. It happens at dining room tables. It happens in restaurants. It happens at work. A vast body, a vast body of psychology, psychology research tells us that 
fundamentally humans humans want to feel heard. If your friend has just told you about something significant that has happened to them, allow them the space to express their feelings and their experience. Uh, another way well-meaning self-disclosure can end up worsening imbalances when one person shares an experience that to them feels equivalent. Now, this is to them, not to you. So you post that, uh, oh, your dog died. And someone else, and, and you're really upset, your dog or your cat, whatever. And, and somebody else posts, oh, I had a dog and it almost died once. And I know how you're feeling. No. So your experience or the time you almost lost a loved one, we're talking about a loved one in this article, is not the same as your friend's experience of actually losing a loved one. So if you, if, you know, when people talk about their parents passing away, some of us who've had a parent pass, well, eventually we'll all have our parents pass away, but some of us who've had our parents pass away can relate to that, but don't relate too soon. You know, give the other person time to express how upset they are. Um, but if someone who hasn't lost their parents says, says, oh, my dad got sick once and I was really worried, that's not the same thing. That's not the same thing. Sometimes, it, I'll go back to the article. Sometimes people jump in with advice and what to do or, or, and what to them feel like similar stories out of misplaced efforts to fix the first person's problems. But people's contexts are different and their capacities are different. Ironically, your effort to help them may leave your friend with a sense of shame that they are not able to solve their problem as easily as you did. So let's say you have, and oh, we see this with tough love all the time. You have a friend who um, maybe has a, a, a child or a grandchild on, on drugs and they were clean and they fell off and started using again. And you had a son or daughter that was using and you cut them off completely. And they eventually, whether related to you or not, they eventually were able to get clean and stay clean. And you tell the other person who's struggling with these emotions, well, I cut my daughter off. What you need to do is just simply cut them off completely. Don't talk to them, put them out of your house and they'll eventually clean up. No, that's, that's, that's not necessarily true and saying that that way can make the other person feel like they're a failure or they're not um, worthy because they can't meet your level of requirements and this then it comes is not a competition not every clash over self-disclosure is about grief of course sometimes it can happen over seemingly banal things your or banal things, you're happy about a minor achievement, but after sharing it with a friend, they say they did it too. So I quit smoking. Oh, I did too. Take kind of takes the focus off of me. I'm wanting to share something. And then staying, instead of saying, congratulations, I know how hard that was to do. You say, oh, I did it too. So you're trying to horn in on their success. And then you can cause them to feel uh, inferior. If you're an instinctive self-disclosure, just be aware that sharing your experiences too quickly after your friend can sometimes read as competitiveness, even if it's not. So this is saying, you know, it's not wrong. It's not wrong. 
but your timing can be off and your phrasing can be off. So, you know, think about that because your, um, your friends need to express themselves. And of course, women do this more than guys, but your friend needs to be able to be free to express themselves, to share, allow them that time allow them that time. I'd love to hear your comments on it. So uh, whenever you see this, if you would just, you know, put your comments in there, I'd love to know. Have you ever experienced that? Had something that you thought was either extremely wonderful or really upsetting and somebody just, you know, so you post a little bit about it and somebody just comes in in the comments and just makes you feel awful or makes you feel unworthy or just, you know, hijacks the thread and takes it off in a total different direction. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Now, the other one I wanted to talk to you about a little bit is um, is it's an article that, uh, let me see if I can get this one shared. Share this tab instead. Did it work? Oh, I think it did. All right. Let me do it this way. There we go. So this is a story from uh, 13 News, which is a West Virginia station. And it says, is it legal to collect rainwater in West Virginia? Now, when, as soon as I saw the headline, I thought it doesn't matter to me if it's legal or not. I'm going to do it because I and I have been for years. How long have we lived here? We've lived here. Oh, when did the derecho come through? It's been 10 years anyway. It's been more than that, but it's, I'll leave it at 10 because it's a nice round number. I've got two. I've actually got three, but two are in use. Two pickle bit, big black, um, I don't know if they're 50 gallon maybe, 50, 55 gallon um, pickle, barrel, pickle barrels that I've been collecting rainwater in for 10 or 15 years. I don't remember how long now. It's actually... Uh, where is my book? I had my book out here. I don't see it. There it is. In my book that's actually on Amazon. Called Everyday Upcycle. I know you're not looking at the same screen I am. I want to. I got my book out. For those of you who can't see. Um, on page 29 of my little book. Is rain barrels when did I put this book out I'll show you this here just so I know you're bored to tears looking at that one screen uh, I put this book out in 2016 and I was doing this long before that so yeah it's give you an idea I'll show you the book here in just a minute but this story just talks about is it legal in West Virginia yes it is legal it is legal in West Virginia collecting rainwater is legal I knew that I wanted to you know for this story uh, but some states take it a step further and offer tax credits and other incentives for rainwater collection. Unfortunately, West Virginia is not one of those states, but there's no law preventing you from catching or rain from, from rain catching. I don't need a tax incentive to do this. And we don't want to start getting the government involved in collecting rainwater because the minute you start uh, allowing for this, oh, we'll give you tax credits, then there's going to come inspections. And we all know that that's going to happen. It's going to snowball. And, uh, you know, people like to say slippery slope. Well, yeah, yeah, it, ha it happens all the time. We in West Virginia, go on a little moral rant here. We in, uh, in West Virginia um, 
tried to tell the government not to expand gambling because we have these little mini casinos and a lot of places do little uh, roadside shacks or the back room of a of a hot dog place. And it used to be that they were gray machines because everybody knew they were there. They weren't supposed to pay out in cash, but people were paying them out one way or another. You might get tokens or a slip or something. You go over and when nobody was looking, you know, hand it to the guy to register and he'd give you your money for that. So they were considered gray machines. And they told us legalizing those gray machines, re, um, reduce, restrict, and regulate. And then they wouldn't pop. We told them they'll be on every corner, every corner. And now they are. Now they are. Gambling has expanded in West Virginia to the point where you can go to Walmart and there's a kiosk there that you can slip some money in and get to scratch off tickets. You can get the Powerball ticket things. And it, it we tried to tell them. We tried to tell them. And what has it done for our economy? Nothing. Nothing but make us dependent on gambling. But anyway, back to the rainwater stuff. So um, we don't need the government to get involved in our collection of rainwater, whether it's local government, federal government, it doesn't matter. Um, they need to leave us alone. They go on to say that it's important to note that the CDC, Centers for Disease Control, advises against drinking rainwater as it can contain harmful bacteria, toxins, or chemicals that can be washed into rainwater collections. A study released by the University of Stockholm in August of 2022 found PFAS, or the forever chemicals, um, in uh, exceeded EPA advisories, even in the remote parts of the world, however, rainwater can still be used for non-drinking purposes. And then they go on to say, hey, you can use it to water your garden. Now, if you think that the chemicals and things in rainwater aren't being absorbed by the plants in your garden, so, you know, you're not going to be affected. If the forever chemicals are in the water, they're going to be absorbed by the plants. Okay, it's just, and if you're walking out in the rain, I'm not advising drinking straight up rainwater, not off your roof especially. And if you have a rain collection system, you have to make sure it's clean. But before you drink it in today's world, use a filtering system. Now, there are some bacteria that the average filtering system um, that you like you put on your tap or your, or your sink or something or your refrigerator water won't get them out because they're not designed because they're designed to um, filter out chemicals that are in your tap water but you can get systems a Berkey is one of them and you can create your own system with fil filters similar to that that's in a Berkey and use some five gallon buckets and I made I have so many ideas of things I need to be working on to share with you and I just haven't done it that you can filter those things out and there are big extensive setups that you can get using sand and soil and rocks and charcoal and stuff but but there are ways to filter those things out uh, and washing your car okay yeah you're washing your car but then you're putting chemicals <laughs> the laundry the detergents and stuff that you're washing your car and stuff into the ground so I I use the water that I catch um, in my for my garden I use it for the ducks and the chickens I mean it's it's fine it's fine. Am I going to run out there and, oh, the dogs drink it too. Am I going to run out there and pour me a glass of rainwater off the, off the rooftop? <laughs> no, <laughs> no. But I do have a filter set system uh, to actually to put together that uh, will uh, will make that just fine. Part of the reason I haven't put together, once you, once you activate those filters, then, you, then they're only good for so long. So. 
but this article and this uh, also this article the link to this article will be down in the uh, in the description some states take more of an active role other than others when it comes to rainwater collection in Rhode Island any individual or business that installs a cistern is entitled to a tax credit equal to 10% of the cost of install installing the collector so as long as it doesn't exceed exceed a thousand dollars so you can put in a less than a thousand dollar cistern and get 10% back and the government now knows that you have a cistern and you're collecting water Uh, in Delaware, the Department of Natural Resources offered a rain collection barrel and composting barrels at a discount to any, uh, to encourage residents cons to conserve water. And again, they know that you have rainwater collection and composting barrels in the future. Uh, it says in Colorado, res residents are only permitted to collect can cross two girls at can only use it on the property it was collected and can only use it for outdoor purposes like gardening, not drinking. Now, why is it the government's business whether you're drinking that water or not? Whether you're putting it through a Berkey and drinking it or not. It's not any of their business. In Illinois, rainwater collecting systems are only to be used for non-potable or non-drinking purposes. See, they have to put non-drinking in parentheses because they don't teach people today what non-potable means and what potable means. Um, it must be constructed in accordance with Illinois plumbing codes. Plumbing codes. So either you have to know the code or you have to hire somebody to do it. In previous years, Morgan, okay, Morgantown is in West Virginia. It's where WVU is located. Morgantown Utility Board has offered workshops that teach attendees how to set up their own water collection barrels at home and provides them with materials needed to do so. However, as of the publishing of this article, which was last week, I think, uh, no dates or times have been announced for the rain barrel workshops. I could do a rain barrel workshop. Not hard at all. The biggest thing with the rain barrels is keeping them clean. All right, let's see. Um, I mean, you, you you get a couple barrels, you get a, some screen <laughs> and a tap, a spigot. You need a spigot to get the water out. So and if you're going to connect them, you need a piece of hose to connect them. It's not a big deal. It's really not a big deal. Oh, the book. I was going to show you the book. So this is the book that I wrote. Let me make sure Everyday upcycle, What you can't see because I'm not that good at design is it says up here, it's still good, meaning it's stuff that you can reuse. Everyday upcycle, 15 projects using everyday items. And this was published in 2016. And it's still out there on Amazon. It's on the links in the description. There's my rain barrels. And so this is, these are the pickle barrels. This is the spigot. The hard part is getting the spigot in there. Because if you're like me now, you're too fat to crawl in the barrel. And what you don't see real well here at the top is screen. So um, I use a screen on the top of the barrels to catch uh, debris that's running off the roof. And you want the you want the spigot. See that spigot there up a little ways from the bottom so that some of that debris that does get through can settle in the bottom and not get flushed out when you use it. But this is on Amazon. This book is on Amazon if you want to get it. I think it's like 99 cents or something. It's not a whole lot. It's a print-on-demand thing, so um, it's always in stock. There's a link in the, in the description below.
But let's see what time is it. I got to watch the time today. <laughs> um, that's pretty much really. Uh, I, I just this mess. I don't know the the rain barrel thing is um, is 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 kind of aggravating to me. Um, I think more people need to know about it, and I and it doesn't hurt to have that as an alternative source of water for your garden, especially if you're on a fixed income. The thing about it is, is you need to know is if you're on a fixed income and you're trying to watch how much water you're using, you need to know at what point you get charged extra. How much water does it take to increase your bill? Because all of our water bills have a minimum use. Whether you turn the spigot on this month or not, you got to pay X amount of dollars. You need to know at what point you've reached that and it costs you more. Because not using any doesn't always reduce your, your bill. Oh, I've got a light flashing over there and it had me distracted. Um, that's like our church building, uh, where our fellowship hall where we're having our uh, lunch and learns and, and our Bible study and stuff. We're paying utilities on that, whether we have functions in there or not. So having uh, small functions is is actually more cost efficient than not having anything at all because we've got people in there using the building. Um, not turning the lights on doesn't change the base electric bill. We're paying a base electric bill regardless. So there's that. I would love to hear from you guys. I'd love for you to place some comments in um, and uh, share this a little bit. I know I've been kind of flaky on stuff here um, the last few weeks because of things here, uh, things related with the church and having to pre-record and that's thrown me off a lot. Um, and you would think it wouldn't be that bad, but it, it has been. It has been. So I am, um, we've been, oh, we've got a, did I tell you, I don't know if I told you about this Friday. We have a property that we bought a few years ago and it's time it, it has to come down. Oh yeah, I told you about the house because I showed you some pictures of it. I think I showed you pictures of it. Yeah, I did show you Friday. Um, um, and so it, it's it's cleaning it out is becoming a challenge because what am I doing with the stuff? So Mr. Holstein is fixing a place in uh, out of the in our, our out in the shop, which it's my dad's shop, but it's our shop now, and to put uh, materials and tools and things that were in the house. But there's a lot of stuff in that house. Um, and I it. it I'm debating with the clothes. The clothes are really old. And they are, um, they're, they're going to smell because that house smells. So I'm taking plastics and, and things out of the kitchen. I'm cleaning them up and I'm posting. I've got some. They're Corel yellow butterfly uh, or golden butterfly pattern. It's a huge double set. There's two eight-piece place settings or no, two four-piece eight settings. Two four-piece place settings that include the plate, the salad plate, the bowl, the saucer, and the cup with the curly handle. Then there's two serving plates. So there's like eight total settings. There's two serving plates, two large bowls, like giant soup bowls, 
two gravy bolt boats with plates, two different types of uh, salt and pepper shakers, and something else. I can't remember now. Oh, a coffee, a creamer in a sugar bowl. So I washed those up. I'm, I've got those on Facebook Marketplace. What I'm getting are comments of people who say, oh, I wish I could have that, but why bother? That comes back to the self-disclosure talk we had just a minute ago. Um, somebody posted, I wish I lived closer. Why would, why bother? Why bother saying that on a post? I like that, but I can't have it. I mean, are you fishing for me to say I'll ship it to you? Right now, I'm not shipping anything. Shipping costs almost more than the stuff itself. So if I don't get anything on Facebook Marketplace or any nibbles on that, I'm going to uh, probably give Noster a day or two, post it up and say, if anybody's interested, here's this, message me and see if I can get that worked out. And then if I can't do that, I'm going to put it on the eBay. Um, somebody will somebody will take it on eBay. Um, I figure I've seen one. It was original in, in the box. Uh, was it called New Old Stock or something like that? They wanted it. It, it sold for ninety eight bucks. So I'm just asking fifty for this for one for one play for one four-piece play setting and then I'm going to post the other stuff and then we'll just see what's going on there and so but the clothes is the issue do I send those clothes to um, heart and hand to goodwill to Salvation Army to uh, Mountain Mission Union Mission and let them deal with the smell and the dust and or do I I mean, I can't imagine people would want to buy that stuff. Now, Mr. Holstein said he saw a couple things that may be considered collectible. So I may set those aside and try to sell those first. But also just tons of kit. I mean, it's just going to be tons of stuff. I don't know how we're going to shift it at all, but we're going to have to get it sooner or later. It's going to have to be done before uh, winter. It's going to have to be done before winter. So that's throwing me off on all kinds of stuff, too. It's throwing me off on my garden, which is starting to some of the... Um, Tomatoes are starting to come in. The vines are getting unruly because I didn't tend them properly. <laughs> My pepper plants are not doing well. They don't like where they're at. Um, so I'm going to have to rethink where I put my pe pepper plants. I'm considering a second garden. That'll be another conversation. And a fall garden. Um, but there's there's a lot going on still. I do like I said. I'm going to go up and visit with my girlfriend again. Um, one other thing on with her. They did share with me that she, because of her weight, she's down to 95 pounds. She's my height, 95 pounds. Because of her uh, low weight and um, she's just not well. Her condition has uh, deteriorated. She's been taken off the transplant list. So, and her husband is going through several stages, well, not just her husband, but her husband's going through the stages of grief now, because when I was there Sunday, he was just so upset that they'd taken her off that list, and why won't, why won't they do this, and why won't they do that, and, and the cousin was chiming in and keeping that going with, I know somebody that, uh, 
that had cancer and they treated cancer and he got a liver and why can't she have a liver? I don't know the whole backstory about what's going on, why she hasn't gotten one. Um, partially, it just doesn't happen. I mean, it doesn't happen often enough. And her health is deteriorated. She's really been bad for a long time. So I suspect that she went bad quickly, bad enough to take her off the list quickly. And um, they were just, uh, you know, trying to help her get to improve to where she could get back on the list. But I had a cousin that it's, it's different, but it's kind of similar. He, um, he needed a lung transplant and he wouldn't quit smoking and he would keep, keep making trips to Cleveland Clinic and they, I mean, they can, they test your blood. They know what you're doing. And uh, they knew he was still smoking. And they told him, as long as you smoke, you can't get the transplant. But he continued to go up there. He had to continue to go up there. And I don't know. I, I don't think there's anything she's doing particularly. But she had. I think part of the rules of the program was she had to continue to go visit. But I know the past several months, she's just been sick. And she's had fluid on the lungs. And she's just, I just think she's, well, uh you, you know. You, I don't have to explain it to you. Um, collection. Sorry, collection there. So I'm going to start wrapping this up. <clears throat> We're 40 minutes in, and, and I've uh, got a lot to do, and i got to get this posted so that, uh, so that it'll hit at 10 o'clock, so you'll get to see it. And um, um, you'll at least have a little bit of something to look at, because... Carla says she can't get dressed on Tuesday mornings unless the show's on. So, Carla, if you're there, here you go, honey. And uh, so there's uh, there's not a special promotional code right now going on other than um, Podcast 5 for Holstein House, if you want to come to Holstein House. So if you are um, traveling through two or through West Virginia on the Turnpike, which is Interstate 6477. Uh, and you need a place to stay, consider Holstein House. Um, we accept Airbnb. That's fine. We take we prefer direct book. And you would go to robinholstein.com and go to Holstein House on the menu and uh, look at, at the direct book option there. And if you use Podcast 5, you'll get 5% off your stay. Um, we also use the new... Um, airbtc airbtc.online it does sound odd but that's what it is airbtc.online and you'll go there and check the properties and look for Holstein House there Holstein House Guest Room is the name of it there I, I, I worded it a little differently because the way airbtc is set up there are houses and there's rooms and there's camping and all kinds of stuff so i wanted to make clear that this is a guest room not the whole house but you can go there and uh and pay with bitcoin you know that works too but uh, we prefer direct book you save a lot more money that way because you're taking out that middleman that airbnb and the airbtc because they do need to collect fees to keep their um sites up and running and we shared a few weeks ago uh, how Airbnb takes almost $10. So if, if my room is $50, you're going to pay $60. So uh, you, it's, it's, it's much cheaper to direct book. Plus you get specials and, 
and special treatment and stuff too. So uh, we have some packages out there for that. Um, but yeah, use podcast five and you will get 5% off your stay. So go to robinholstein.com and choose Holstein House from the menu. And if you made it this far and you like what you heard or you kind of think you want to hear some more or you're just interested enough to say, well, we'll give her a little more time to to uh, see if we like her. Go ahead and hit the like or subscribe, whatever it happens to be, whether you're on the podcast or whether you're on YouTube or Rumble or something like that. And uh, and subscribe as things settle down over at the church this week will be the last multi-day week. So starting next week, it'll just be Wednesdays, which doesn't affect this. And we'll be back live. We'll be back live on Friday as well. Friday at 10 o'clock Eastern time. Uh, as far as I know, unless something comes up, we'll be live on Friday. Um, so please give a like and share. And we'll be getting into a little more. Hopefully I can get some more videos up with, uh, I say more. I haven't done one for a long time. Uh, get some videos up on uh, things uh, that you may be interested in. Um, some thrifty things, some garden things, some chicken and duck things, and maybe some canning things. Um, it is canning season. Oh, oh, I have ordered, how could I forget? I have ordered a steam canner. I did. So we'll see about that. Um, I'll, I'll share with you, uh, I'll, I'll do a box opening and, um, uh, make a note to myself i'll show i'll do a box opening it's i think it's supposed to be here friday i think it's friday and uh, then we'll maybe make some jam or something easy because the steam canner takes the place of a water bath so that'll be fun so i'm going to call it there and uh start wrapping that up and i do appreciate you being here with me and i do appreciate you coming back i appreciate your comments too so please please give a little comment on that oh let's see where am i okay <laughs> so we're gonna call it and uh i will see you on friday bye-bye so there you have it post your comments do all that boosting liking sharing thumbs up and stuff that helps spread the word and poke the algorithms follow me on most of the big social media platforms and look for my name robin holstein or holstein house till next time bye bye